Leo Wilcox is nearly at the end of a 4,200-mile race across America. She's only got just over 150 miles to go, and she's in second place. Across nearly 10 states, she's been chasing this one guy ahead of her. Finally, in the dark, she sees his bike lights. I was like, oh my god, this is the guy. I finally caught him. And then I just took off. I started sprinting. I was so excited. We had, I think, 130 miles to go to the finish, but I started sprinting like it was the end. Suddenly, her opponent, this rider called Stefan, starts picking up the pace too. And then he's like, picks up the pace and he's like catching me. And then I would just ride faster and faster and faster, like just trying to drop him. And I was like, breathing so hard and riding so hard. They were now furiously playing cat and mouse. Leo would be in the lead for a while. Then Stefan would sidle up next to her and just shoot up a mountain. Leo chased him again. At one point, they were riding side by side. And he was like, well, let's talk. And I was like, okay, because he kind of slowed down for me to catch him. That's, I can't just like take off again, even though I wanted to. He was like, we've been battling for two weeks. Let's just finish this ride together. Lael doesn't hesitate. And I was like, are you kidding me? Together? Like, no way. This is the best part. We get to race. You know, and then I took off again. But I think it was something like six miles later, I looked back and realized he wasn't there anymore. Like, I dropped him. I'm Rob Pope, and for Red Bull, this is How To Be Superhuman. In this episode, I'm talking to the indomitable, unflappable Lael Wilcox. Now in her mid-thirties, she's one of the best female ultra-endurance cyclists in the world. When she first started racing, she was relatively inexperienced. She'd be that person who turns up in their normal leisure wear, you know, without all the fancy kit. But she quickly started winning races, beating her male competitors, and soon she was setting records. And she didn't care who set them, women or men. She spent the past 12 or so years traveling the world on her bike, logging over 100,000 miles in 35 different countries. And then, in 2016, she tackled what many cyclists consider the toughest race in the US. It's called the Trans Am, and it's a 4,200 mile journey across the states. By the way, Lael didn't even get on a bike until she was 20 years old. So, Leo Wilcox, let's start at the very beginning. And uh, that beginning was in Alaska, right? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Alaska. And yeah, I lived there through high school, so until I was 18, and then moved down to the what we call the lower 48, all the rest of the states. Although Leo grew up in Alaska, she wasn't really the outdoorsy type. You know, the first time I think I went camping, I brought like a paper bag full of food. 
in a tent and that's it. And I walked with a friend like 10 miles and then slept in the tent, ate a loaf of bread and walked home. Uh, I didn't really know there was specific (laughs) equipment for it. I just thought, oh, we just want to go see what's out there. Um, And then I think that's kind of still how I feel about it. Well, that's adventure, right, though, isn't it? You've got you've got to wing it yeah. a little bit. Or a lot. Or a lot, yeah. <laughs> well, how did you end up getting into cycling? I didn't start riding until I was in university. I got a job that was four miles from where I was living. The job was far enough away that I felt like I needed a bike to get there. And then quickly realized if I could ride to work, I could ride across the city, I could ride to the next city. And I did that to visit my sister at the time. It was like 45 miles. I had a fixed gear bike. I had just a stack of printed directions. You know, this was pre-smartphone. So I just followed the directions and I got there. And then while I was riding that, I thought if I could just, if I could ride to the next city, I could ride across the country, you know, and then immediately I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah, because you went from four miles to 45 miles and then suddenly it looked like you had 4,000 miles on the clock, you know. When when did it turn out that you genuinely enjoyed this rather than just a commute or when did you find out you were good at it I mean I gosh I I did it because I was like this is a great way to see the world and see the world she did Lael first started biking around the US then in 2015 she went to Israel she spent three months mountain biking around the country experiencing the landscape while she was there she came across something called the Holy Land Challenge It's an 850-mile unsupported bike race with a continuous clock. That means the clock doesn't stop when you need to eat or take a loo break. Every second counts. Now, the Holy Land Challenge is a race usually run by the creme de la creme of endurance cycling. And such is the way of the world, that's usually been men. But since Lael happened to be in the country at the time and already on a bike, she decided to just give it a go. So one early morning in April 2015, she turned up at the starting line, Mount Hermon, Israel's highest peak. And she sees all these lycra-clad dudes with fancy racing bikes. But Lael's still got her beaten-up running shoes on and her old bike with clipless pedals. It was the first time in a race, and it showed... I had my touring bike, very inexpensive setup, but I thought, well, who cares? Leo was the only woman in the race and also the youngest competitor. You know, it's like I line up next to all the other guys and they outweigh me. They have, you know, huge muscles and race bikes and all this stuff. And I just look like the kid coming from like down the neighborhood street. Her fellow racers thought she wouldn't make it through her first day. But by the end of that day, Leo was steaming ahead. I was like 40k ahead of uh, the second place guy. 40k? Like I had just taken off and, and just kept riding. I rode until three in the morning, stopped, slept on the side of the road for a few hours, got back up and kept going. And then uh, I was so excited. I found like I wasn't thinking anymore about, you know, where am I going to sleep? Why am I doing this? What am I going to eat? I was just going like like doing three or four days of riding into one. Leo was absolutely smashing it up those mountains. She wasn't sleeping much, and she developed little psychological strategies to race against the clock. Like I eat all my food on the bike, you know, because then I'm like, well, I'm not wasting 20 minutes eating. The strategies like build up and then you feel like a crazy person, but that's, that's racing. 
how did people react to you? Because, you know, you pretty much look like a pool hustler on your bike that you're on. <laughs> you know, did, <laughs> did people take to you kindly? Oh, they were so excited. I mean, the, especially people that were people that were in the race were just astonished. They were like, how is this happening? How is she doing this? Because nobody would expect me to to have these results. Remember, she's the only woman racing against 21 men. Uh, and then and then at the end of the day, it's like I'm way ahead. They're like, how is that possible? So then people that were tracking this race because we had spot trackers, people were coming out to find me on the route just to like see if I was real. I don't look like an Olympian, you know, I just look like a regular person, but I bet I just keep going. Well, were you asking yourself how, how you could do it? Because if people are asking those sort of questions of you, surely you must just go, hang on. Not really, though, because it's like you I feel like if you have like an endurance drive you just do everything you can to do your best. And then it's like, it's less about who else is out there. It's like, it's so personal. It's like, and then if I didn't do my best, I would regret that because I'd be like letting myself down. In the end, Lyle didn't win this race, but she got addicted to that feeling she was talking about. The endurance drive. And I loved it. I mean, it's super exhausting. I was definitely pretty beat up doing it, but I, I just loved being out there so much. So that's kind of when I, I realized that I could, instead of just travel, I could also race like this. Plowing 40k ahead on that first day of the race in Israel was a turning point for Lael. That's when, in her heart, she became a racer. Soon after, she returned to Alaska, and only a week later, she set off again to do another race called the Tour Divide. 2,745 miles down the length of the Rocky Mountains from Canada to the Mexican border. That race, she won. In fact, she beat the women's record by two whole days. But she didn't break the men's record. She wanted more. She wanted to beat the whole playing field. So, in 2016, Lael decided to take part in what many consider to be the mother of all US ultra-distance bike races. It's called the Trans Am. It follows a route developed by the Adventure Cycling Association in 1976, and it's got a kind of cult status. It's 4,200 miles completely unsupported and goes from East Coast to West Coast, from Oregon Idaho, Wyoming, through Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, Kentucky, all the way to Virginia. And the clock never stops. From the moment the riders leave the start to the moment that they reach the finish. So each cyclist has to strategically choose just how much time to devote to riding, sleeping, and of course, eating. As usual, Lael turned up looking somewhat unprepared. I didn't even bring a sleeping bag. I was like, I'm not carrying anything. I just had this frame bag on my bike that was the American flag. But even though she may have looked like a bit of a chancer, she had come with a clear mission. Yeah, I always wanted to win it. And beat all the men. It's like, well, I want to do the best. I want to do my best. And then I also just want to win the overall because I think it's possible. So with one thing on her mind, 
Lyle sets off from Astoria, Oregon. Yeah, so the start uh, is kind of this beautiful seaside town. And then, you know, we all began together. So you're just riding along and then you cross a little bridge and then bang. It's like the race really starts. And I was so excited just to be there. I like took off sprinting, which is a ridiculous thing to do <laughs> for a 4,000 mile race. But you know, you have so much like positive energy going into it that it's like, yeah, there are like smarter ways to race. Like you should conserve your energy, but I do everything by feel. If I feel like going fast, I'm gonna go fast. Some races put the faith in numbers, staring at the power meters to maximize economy and minimize risk. Others, in pure vibes. Lail race from her heart. But a sense of optimism didn't last long. Soon, she had to face up to the reality of this race. Oh my gosh, day two of the Trans Am, I felt awful. And the race had started on a Saturday, so I was riding, the second day was on a Sunday, and I had been sprinting so hard that I was just totally toast. And it was Sunday, so most of the shops were closed. So I was like, oh, this is just awful. Like, I had bought, like, two huge burritos in a town in the beginning of day two, and then every other shop was closed, and they were, like, some, it was some of the worst-tasting food, but I couldn't replace it with anything better. I was just, like, at a, such a low of, like, I feel physically bad. I can't even get, like, a good drink, uh... You know, and so I was just moving, but you know, and then and then also that's so crushing because it's only day two, and I knew it was I was going to be out there for like at least another fifteen days. And it wasn't just the crappy gas station food that was unbearable. At this point, Leo was in the Oregon Badlands, about to cross into Idaho, and the unforgiving sun was starting to wear her down. Oh, okay. So the days were so hot heat wave uh it was i mean hitting 106 fahrenheit like half the day so over 40 degrees celsius it was it, i mean it was just i was baking my skin blistered it all peeled off twice i looked terrible my my lip cracked down the middle To cool off, I started jumping into any body of water that I saw. But I was like, well, I can't take the time to like, you know, take my shoes off and my socks off. So I just jumped in with all my clothes on. I'd jump in, jump out and get back <laughs> on my bike. And then I'd feel good for like the next half an hour because I was all like wet and refreshed. Wet and refreshed for a short while, maybe. But in that first week, Lael was barely holding on. I think I was in fifth to 10th place for the first week and just dying out there. I felt horrible. And I was like, I said I was going to win. I want to win this race. And I was doing everything I could. And I just, the people ahead of me, they were just killing me. I was like, I'm not doing well. Having set out to win, Leia was now not sure she could even keep up. She was in a bad place, physically and mentally. A guy she was riding alongside, a previous veteran of the race, had the cheek to say. You could probably improve and maybe after a few years you'll actually get pretty good at this. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I need to be good at this right now. Lyle didn't want to wait a few years. She wanted to win and she wanted it now. 
The problem was, weirdly, that at times Leia was going too fast. Because like the thing I love most are climbs. So then I was just hammering the climbs and then I was just dying. Leia was used to shorter mountain biking routes and she was good at it. But the Trans Am race is a long game. She'd need a different approach. This is when the guy she was riding with gave her a piece of advice that maybe changed everything. And he was like, well, just don't overdo it. You know, don't sprint up every mountain. And he called it like, like lighting a match. Like there are so many, only so many matches that you have. And if you keep lighting them, then you're just going to like die out. Instead of lighting up those mountains, Leo was going to have to keep the fire burning longer for the whole race. She found a new tactic to keep going over the Colorado Rockies. But then she hit Kansas, a totally different terrain. Pan flat, and that nearly killed me. Lil usually cycled standing up, going up and down hills, with a bum off the seat, like a runner. But there's no point doing that over flat plains. You'll just get tired way faster. So Lael kept reminding herself to sit down and stay low, stay aero. Problem was, that lethal sun, it was taking no prisoners. Oh, every morning I would wake up and I'd feel like like my saddle would was about to like erupt in flames. Like just that first initial sitting down for five minutes felt so like hot and terrible, like burning. And then, and then you like make friends with your saddle again and everything's okay. I think the thing that got to me the most was flat terrain because you're just like sitting in your saddle in the same position with your knees just grinding pedal strokes. It's hard to maintain a high level of concentration and willpower when you're going through a pretty monotonous landscape. Lael was going to have to shift into a higher mental gear if she was going to get through the rest of Kansas. I guess at the bottom of that, though, you always just have to have hope that it's going to get better. Even if you feel that bad, it's like the other thing I think about is like, well, at some point I thought this was a good idea, so why would I just give up on it now? Uh, I have to see it through. Because uh, that's, I also know if I quit, then I'm just going to have to come back and do it again. How do you keep in racing mode? Though? That's the thing, because, you know, we probably push come to shove. Most of us could put down those hours on the bike, maybe not 17 days in a row. But you're riding and you're having to race. So how often did you find yourself just trundling along and go, hang on, I'm in a race. Let's up this you know because that must require steely focus how do you just snap back into it oh you know i space out all the time and i think that might actually be a strength because if you if you overthink it then you're just gonna like you're gonna actually drive yourself crazy like thinking well this is never gonna end i'm not even within a week of the finish like instead you could just space out and try to enjoy it you know and then Mm. let your body do its own thing because it's like I mean, the cool thing, too, is you spend that much time on the bike, your body gets kind of its own rhythm. That your mind isn't even, like, always there for. I'd find, like, I had, like, different techniques, different pedal strokes. Uh, It's, like, kind of this weird connection with the bike. And then you can kind of, like, let your mind float and think of different things or nothing at all. And that's probably healthy, too, just to have some quiet. 
But ultimately, Leia wasn't there for the scenery and the quiet. She was there to win. In Kansas, Leila had really picked up the pace. She was heading into Missouri, and now there was only one person ahead of her. A German guy called Stefan. If she was going to win the race, she needed to catch up and outdo him. But he was still miles and miles ahead of her. And I was, you know, chasing him the whole the whole way across the country. And in the beginning of the race, he was sleeping like a lot, like seven hours a night, more than everybody else and riding fast. And then by the time we got to the halfway point in Kansas, I was gaining on him and he started riding scared. He stopped sleeping, you know, more than an hour at a time because he was just thought I was going to catch him. Leo was getting closer and closer to her goal, her white whale, and Stefan was getting very nervous. And he, like anybody that saw me on the road was like, he was asking about you, he's asking where you are, and then I'm just like slowly gaining on him where he was like 150 miles ahead and now he's only 50 miles ahead. And you know, then I'm just, that was, that was my goal was to catch this guy. She was a woman on a mission. You said you're taking risks. You said Stefan's riding scared. Now, I remember they say the real race quite often starts in Missouri, which is probably about two thirds across. What was your mental shift at that point? Were you starting to really focus on tactics? Yeah, I was actually, because that's when I got into like the punchy terrain, the rollers. And then, and then I was like, it's go time. I've got to like go after this guy. This is it. You know? And then I was actually, uh, I mean, when you're out there, it feels like it's never going to end. And like all you, you just want to get there so desperately. So maybe riding faster, riding more makes it better because you get to the finish sooner. And then I actually also think in some ways it's a blessing to be, to not be in first place. Because like if you're yeah. in first, you're like you're on track to winning, but you're like so worried about who's behind you, who's going to catch you, who's coming up on you. And if you're in second, you can just chase. By this point, Leia was really cutting down on sleep to try to catch up with Stefan. They were now riding into the final state on the route, Virginia. I still had to like buy food and get drinks in these little towns with these little shops and one had just all they had was Mountain Dew and I felt like I was just losing it, you know, and I was like, this is all you have. So I buy like three cans of it and drink it. And then the next time I got to a truck stop, I just bought caffeine pills. Just think how tired she must have been. Oh, bad, super bad. She'd cut down from five hours of sleep a night to one or two, all with the goal of catching this guy. Lael didn't have far to go now. There was maybe 24 hours ahead of her. But she still hadn't caught up with number one, Stefan. And now she wasn't feeling so good. The caffeine pills were wearing off. She was running on empty. So she made a decision. On the final night, I was just so tired. I was like, I have to like sleep for half an hour. I, it, like, I got to that point where I couldn't see straight. I just couldn't keep moving forward. So I pulled over, slept for... 30 minutes, you know, and then hit the snooze button, slept for another 10 minutes. But it was tricky, because that 10 minutes could have been the difference between victory and for Lael, exhausted failure. And then I wake up and it's like three in the morning and I start riding. I was like, okay, that's it. 
I, I think I took a caffeine pill and I'm like, I'm going to catch this guy. She was on the hunt. She was pumping those pedals hard. The adrenaline is kicking in big time. About half an hour in, Leo begins to make out some bike lights coming towards her in the dark. I see these lights coming towards me and I'm like, in the middle of rural Virginia, it was actually, the town is called Bumpass, Virginia. And I see this light coming towards me and as soon as he sees me, he turns around really quickly and starts riding next to me. And I looked over at him and I was like, who is this guy? He's like wearing all black, he's really dirty, he has bike bags like me. And I was like, first I thought maybe he was a fan because I was like, oh, well, there have been some pretty weird people coming out to find me. She's not really paying much attention to him. She said, you know, he's probably just some weirdo. Lael's only got one thing on her mind. Catching Stefan. Uh, I just turned to him because he didn't say anything. And I was like, hey, what's your name? And he said, Stefan. And then it, it like clicked. All of a sudden I was like, oh my God, that's Stefan. I'd never seen him before because I'd been chasing him for so long. I had no idea what he looked like. Lael had finally seen the ghost she'd been chasing through nearly 10 states. She's got him. And then I just took off. I started sprinting. I was like, oh my God, this is the guy. I finally caught him. Like, I was so excited. We had, I think, 130 miles to go to the finish, but I started sprinting like it was the end. And then he's like, picks up the pace and he's like catching me. And then I would just ride faster and faster and faster, like just trying to drop him. And I was like breathing so hard and riding so hard. And I, I mean, that was also exciting too, is because I'd been like, some of the days you just feel like you're going to die. And then to feel like I had all this energy all of a sudden was so fun. Now Stefan and Leo were chasing each other to the finish line. Leo would be in the lead for a while. Then Stefan would catch up and shoot past Leo behind again. Their brief meetings were tense. Oh my gosh, Stefan was so serious. He was, oh, he said, uh, he said, this is not supposed to be fun. <laughs> I mean, it was like day and night with me and him. It was like, he's, you know, I'm like smiling and laughing and having fun. And he said, no part of this is supposed to be fun. This is racing. This is competition. It's only about winning. After all this time in number one, Stefan certainly didn't want to lose in the final stretch of the race. Did it hurt the pride of this fierce competitor to have a woman on his wheel? Who knows? But Lael could see that he was beginning to burn out. We got like to the split in the road and then I took a right, which was a wrong turn. And then he's like, no, it's to the left. Uh, so he went left. I went right. I corrected and went back to him and he had kind of slowed down for me to catch him. And he was like, well, let's talk. And I was like, okay. Cause he kind of slowed down for me to catch him. That's, I can't just like take off again, even though I wanted to. Uh, and, uh, he was like, we've been battling for two weeks. Um, let's just finish this ride together. And I was like, are you kidding me together? Like, no way. I'm so, I'm so happy to be racing. Like, it's so rare to finish a 4,000 mile race actually in direct competition with somebody. And that's like the most did exciting thing that, that could to happen. Him? Yeah, I did. Did you say I was like, that this, to him or did you just think it? I said it. I was like, no way. This is the best part. We get to race, <laughs> you know, and then I took off again. And then he's like, yeah, I think he was like with me for a little bit. 
But I think it was something like six miles later, I looked back and realized he wasn't there anymore. Like I dropped him. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I dropped him. Lael had finally lost the guy who'd been ahead this whole time. She'd hunted him down, chewed him up and spat him back out. I don't imagine Stefan was too pleased with himself at that moment. I was running a half marathon once and I was leading and uh, midway through I had to uh, to pop to the little boys room and uh, lost the lead. And when sort of I came back out, I eventually caught the guy up and at this point I was spent and I had the same chat. I was Stefan. And so I said to this guy, are you, are you cool sort of going over the line? Now, as it turned out, he was more beat than me and I could have won, but I didn't believe in myself as much as you did. So I was happy to have the chat and go from there. Was there any part of you that felt bad when you sort of disappeared into the distance, especially seeing Stefan had stopped you from going on that wrong turn? Well, yeah, I guess, you know, it's like, uh, we all made wrong turns like dozens of times during the race and we all like made different decisions. And ultimately what I thought was if he had been half an hour ahead of me, he wouldn't have waited for me to catch him to finish together. You know, it's not like he's like going to be like, oh, she's half an hour behind. I should probably wait so we can hold hands and cross the finish line together. <laughs> you know, it's like he was like trying to hold on at the final moment. You do have to ride with heart to like make this happen in the first place. But then to, to finally, like somebody gets to be the winner. I guess I like yeah. that. You know, it's like somebody gets to be the winner, not, not like, oh yeah, let's just slow down the pace. So neither of us has to work hard at the end. Not that, I'm not saying that you did that in the half marathon, but you should have, oh, I was still you should have beat him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should have tried, you know, and it's like, I mean, the funniest thing is like people could just be like crawling across the finish line, but that's like, that's the idea with the race. Somebody has to, somebody gets to win. So let's see who does it. Lael sped off again and it looked like she was going to win, but right at that moment, her gears broke. And I was like, oh no, you know, I was like, oh, I finally dropped this guy and now my shifting died. She now only had one gear. Far from ideal. But she felt like she couldn't stop. Not now. She kept pedaling. And then I was like, oh, it's too slow. It's not, you know, it's like rolling terrain. If I don't have more gears, I just can't ride fast enough. Um, so then I got to the next town because I was, it was still dark. Um, so I went, like, I hid behind a gas station to, like, try to fix it. She didn't want Stefan to see that she was having a problem. Then maybe he'll, like, get hopeful again that he's going to beat me. You know, it's, it's so messed up. So there she is, working as fast as she can, desperate to fix her bike and get back on the road, because there were now just a hundred miles to go. And then at that point, we had kind of switched roles, and I was like, I'm the one looking over my shoulder, feeling chased. And I was like, and then I'm obsessed with like not having a breakdown, like not getting a flat tire, you know, not having a problem, not making a wrong turn again. She couldn't afford for anything else to go wrong. There was simply no time. So I basically like rode the last hundred miles like a machine. Nail was on autopilot at this point, focused on one thing only. And then, it, then I actually finally had the realization. I was like, oh my God, I could actually win this race. 
you know, and that was like from day one, that was like all I wanted to do. I was like, I just want to win this race. And then I was like, I'm actually, I'm actually going to win this race. Suddenly, she reaches the last town. You know, I get to the finish, Yorktown, Virginia. It's like a civil war town. They're like, yeah, it's it's so odd. It's like colonial, you know, little kids in marching bands around town. And it just, it, I, fe- I really felt like I was going crazy. But I get to this final monument, the finish line, and there's a small crowd there waiting to cheer me in. And then she's starting to realize that this is it. She's lost her tail. Stefan can't catch up with her anymore. She's won. And then I get there and I, you know, unclip for my bike and then that's it. It's like somebody puts out a camping chair (laughs) and like I sit down, somebody hands me like a can of beer and then you're like, okay, I guess I'm done. I guess I won. Lael finished the race as best overall in 18 days and 10 minutes. There were no press photos. No red tape and no prize money. Layla had just done this for herself and there was a particular satisfaction in beating all the men. I mean, even when I started racing in 2015, it was like, you know, these guys were saying that I shouldn't even be at the start line. Uh, And then to kind of upset that idea and win the overall, it's like uh, it makes like a huge splash. Um... And so that's motivating for me as well to show uh, that women can win these things. Damn right. And this year, hopefully, Leo wants to cycle the Tour Divide along the Rockies again. This time to beat the men's record as well. Now, if you've got anything to say about Leo's story, just tweet us using the hashtag RedBullHowToBeSuperhuman. And remember to send in some of your own superhuman tales we want to hear what you guys have been up to remember to follow the podcast rate it and leave a good review because it helps other people discover the show we appreciate it when you share the love finally if you want more from the series like articles and pictures you know where to go redbull.com superhuman next time on how to be superhuman we're meeting the first person to circumnavigate the globe without using an engine solo I hear this torpedo sound go whoosh, whoosh. Very fast movement, that's tuna. If I heard a knocking sound on a wooden door kind of thing, that's a turtle. <laughs>